Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbaugh. I'm not sure if it's universal, but I think a lot of folks feel a certain sense of unfulfillment. Even if they're objectively on paper successful, there's always that lingering shadow of, oh, I thought I'd be more than this. Today's author, Meg Harry, succinctly breaks down that feeling in the main character of her new book, They're Going to Love You. Her name is Carlisle, and she's a 43-year-old choreographer who, according to Howry, is constantly moving the goalposts of what success looks like for her. But her feelings about her own life and career are complicated and intertwined with her feelings about her father and his partner, both of whom she's been estranged from for nearly two decades. And Paris Scott Simon talked to Harry about forgiveness and how not forgiving someone is in its own way a form of power. This message comes from NPR sponsor Acorn TV. Acorn TV isn't just good, it's brilliant. With exceptional television from around the world. Their romances are more charming, their mysteries cozier, their noirs more gripping, and their comedies cleverer. More clever? Oh, you get it. Acorn TV is brilliant stories told brilliantly. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. So, in a nutshell, Acorn TV. Brilliant. Meg Howery's new novel, They're Going to Love You, takes us into a family where ballet is lifeblood, livelihood, dreams, and nightmares. Carlisle grows up in the ballet, the daughter of the Sugar Plum Fairy and another one-time dancer. Her parents divorce, and her mother brings her to Ohio where she grows up, but Carlisle only feels truly alive, alert, and dazzled during the short trip she spends with her father, Robert, and his partner, James, in New York. When the story first opens to us, it is decades later, and they are all estranged. And Carlisle gets word that her father is about to die. Meg Howery, who performed with the Joffrey and City Ballet of Los Angeles and has appeared on Broadway, as well as writing previous novels, including The Wanderers, joins us from Los Angeles. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. What does Carlisle find growing up in the Bank Street apartment in Greenwich Village of Robert and James? I think she finds an adult world where she can sort of see herself mm-hmm. belonging. You know, in, a, in Ohio, where she's growing up, she's a too tall, odd girl that likes ballet. And in the world of her father's place and his partner's place in New York, she feels seen and people talk to her and she can project herself into this world as a, as a future adult. Yeah. Carlisle developed strong feelings for James her father's partner. So crush her true love. (laughs) I think there's this incredibly interesting relationship between young people and mentors. And it's a really powerful situation and sometimes a dangerous one. But, you know, you're so hungry as a young person or you can be so hungry for that older person that talks to you like an adult. And for Carlisle, James is that. He's that He's that person that speaks to her in a way that no one else does. Yeah. May I ask, what was your path from dancer to writer? I didn't imagine that I would become a writer. Um, the only thing in my life other than dance that I've done is read books. And <laughs> I didn't realize that all that time I was reading books, I was sort of growing a writer inside me. 
But I think that's how it happened. And it wasn't until I was in my 30s and I had gotten off a long tour. And I actually had some money, so I wasn't anxious about the next gig. And I had a little time to sit down and I thought, oh, maybe I'll write that story that's been in my head for a while. Mm. It's interesting to me that when we first meet Carlisle, uh, she's 43 and a choreographer. Mm. Does she feel like she is a fulfilled choreographer or a somewhat failed dancer? Oh, that's interesting. I think, like most artists, she constantly moves the goalposts of what success looks like for her. So she's working, she's made things, she is successful, but she's always wanting more. And yes, a part of her her identity is wrapped up in what didn't happen for her as a young dancer, and that's a hard thing to move past. Yeah. I, Without giving too much away, I want to ask you about one of my favorite characters, and that's Alex. Yeah. He's a gangly, athletic kid from Florida, a dancer who says something a little insensitive when we first meet him, but I think it's safe to say makes up. Mm-hmm. I was said to dislike him, but... It's wonderful the way you open him up to us. Uh, he's a favorite character of mine, too, so I'm glad you liked him. It was fun to throw him into the mix of these very complicated people and see what happens. I find myself a little haunted by the fact that both Carlisle and her father have a hard time knowing who should forgive who. Yes. And so there's this stalemate that lasts 19 years. You know, we don't really get 19 minutes of life back, much less 19 years. Yes. From the beginning of working on this book, I wanted to look at what I think is the very complicated nature of forgiveness and the weird power of not forgiving someone, what that wields over another person and the kind of control it gives you. And so I always envision this book about a a conversation about the the role of forgiveness in our lives and what really we're hanging on to when we choose not to forgive someone. What are we hanging on to when we choose not to forgive someone? I think it's an interesting question to ask yourself, what do I lose if I forgive this person? Why? What, What is gone from me if I just offer total forgiveness? I think... A lot of times it's a kind of power that we want to hold on to, a way to control things that are uncontrollable, like how we feel and love and look at each other in this world, which is not something, you know, we can really control. Meg Howery's novel, They're Going to Love You. Thank you so much for being with us. (laughs) Thank you so much. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. When you're carrying around a lot of stress, therapy is a safe space to get it off your chest. If you're considering therapy, give BetterHelp a try at betterhelp.com NPR to get 10% off your first month. Support for NPR and the following message come from Sattva. Sattva luxury mattresses are every bit as elegant as the most expensive brands, but because they're sold online, they're about half the price. Visit SAATVA.com slash NPR and save an additional $200.
I'm Jesse Thorne. Why did Cola Scola write a bonkers, extremely fictionalized play about Mary Todd Lincoln? Well, you know, it was 2020 and we were all so isolated. I, I just started doing research. Uh, but the truth is, I, no, I just thought of it. We'll talk about that and more on Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR.